Welcome to Hollywood Obsessed with Tony Miros, a podcast that celebrates our endless fascination with the iconic people, locations, and history of the entertainment capital of the world. If you're as obsessed with Hollywood as Tony is, or would like to be, get ready to enjoy another exciting, brand new episode of Hollywood Obsessed. Now, here's your host, Tony Miros. Hello, friends. This is your host, Tony Miros, speaking to you from the heart of Tinseltown. On this episode of Hollywood Obsessed, I'm speaking with actor William McNamara, who's best known for a slew of hit films throughout the 1990s, including the chilling role of Peter Foley in the psychological thriller Copycat, co-starring Sigourney Weaver. Born in Dallas, Texas, Billy attended Columbia University and then studied at the Lee Strasberg Theater and Film Institute in New York before heading out to Hollywood to follow his dreams. He has since made over 165 film and TV appearances throughout his 30-plus year career. With his wholesome good looks, he's often played baby-faced boy-next-door types in feature films and on TV, including the 1989 teen movie Dream a Little Dream with Corey Feldman and Corey Haim, the coming-of-age drama Stealing Home with Mark Harmon and Jodie Foster, the action comedy Chasers with Tom Berenger, and the Peter Bogdanovich drama Texasville with Jeff Bridges. On television, he starred in the Emmy-nominated coming-out film Doing Time on Maple Drive with Jim Carrey, the true crime-inspired drama Honor Thy Mother with Sharon Gless. He portrayed legendary movie star Montgomery Cliff in the TV biopic Liz, the Elizabeth Taylor Story, and teen idol Ricky Nelson in the Stephen King anthology series Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Aside from acting, he's also an animal rights activist and has produced several documentaries, including the Nat Geo Wild Animal Intervention, an expose on the exotic animal industry in the U.S., His current obsession is being a showrunner for his in-development TV series, The Trouble with Billy, that he wrote, directed, and produced. And now he's here with me today to tell me all about it. So let's get to it and welcome him to the podcast. Hi, Billy. Thanks for being my guest on Hollywood Obsessed. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Not bad. Pretty good. It's so funny. I'm looking at you. They can't see you, but I can. I'm looking at you and I have all these images of all these movies of all these TV shows that I've always seen of your face. And you still have that boyish look to you, which has which has done well for you throughout the years. Yes. Yeah. It's funny that you say that, because last night I uh, I was in a uh, movie called Altered Perceptions and it opened up the uh, the Marina Del Rey Film Festival. And I got to say, um, the scene that I was in was shot very quickly because we were we were in a location we shouldn't have been in and we kind of got caught. And uh, <laughs> and we they used the natural light, the sun, which is really, you know, a lot of a lot too much sun. Yeah. And uh, God, I looked terrible. I just saw my face. I'm like, oh, no, this is terrible. <laughs> I'm not. Gonna, yeah. I look really old because the sun was just too harsh. Yeah. And it can really, you know, I'm older, obviously. But sure. the sun, if, if you're not lit well in film and television it's it you don't look great it's true it's well you don't look old as i see so <laughs> the lighting's good in your in your living room yeah um well i want to talk a little before getting on with your career you grew up where in new york new york city mm-hmm. in new york city okay i did too so when you were growing up did you have i i, I heard that your dad worked for the ford motor company is that right well, no, he raced the he raced the the Cobras and the GT forties for Ford, so he raced the Ford car. There was a there were the special kind of car in the sixties and seventies. They don't make them anymore, 
but they're famous. The Cobras are very famous cars. It was like a 427. I can't remember. Yes. But he was a race car driver uh huh, in, in Europe and the United States. And your mom did interior design. Uh, yes. Later on in life, she became a pretty well-known interior designer in Manhattan. A lot of big clients and architectural digest covers, stuff like that. That's cool. So when you were younger, did you have any idols, any actors that you wanted to be like growing up? Like what happened with you in acting? How did that happen? Um, basically, for a couple of years, my mom and I lived in Los Angeles when I was a little kid. She was dating an actor from General Hospital. Super great guy, but he had a little bit of a, a, a drug and alcohol problem, but he was really a good person. He got sober years later in AA. Um, and so um, and so we spent a couple of years out here. So I was on a lot of movie and TV sets. Uh, he was not only in General Hospital, he made movies and he's pretty well known. And um, and my mom's female best friend uh, was an actress, big actress in the 70s. Her name is Valerie, Valerie Perrine. I don't know if you've heard of her. You I love Valerie Perrine. She oh. was in Superman. She did a lot of movies in the 70s. Yeah. And her best movie, I thought, was that movie that Bob Fosse directed. It was called uh, Lenny with Dustin Hoffman. Right. And she played Dust, uh, Lenny Bruce's wife, Honey Bruce. Mm-hmm. She did a great job. I think she was nominated for that and everything. She was, yeah. What yeah. was that like with Valerie Perrine? She was a big star in the 70s. Big star. Now she's, you know, got some like dementia or whatever. I don't know if you, there's a documentary that I'm in. Um, I wish I could remember the name of it uh, about her and about her struggles today. She's pretty much confined to a bed and, um, but, but she's surviving. I mean, this, she's had this for like eight, eight, nine years now, you right. know, and she's still surviving and she's still, you know, she's a real survivor fighter. She's a great person. And she was really good to me as a little kid. They included me in everything and got to go on movie sets and stuff like that. She even got me a small part. My mom wouldn't let me do it. Small part in a movie. I was, that's how young I was a kid. I wanted to be an actor because of Valerie and Martin, my mom's boyfriend. They were actors and I just loved the scene. You know, it was a movie called W.C. Fields and Me uh, with Rod Steiger playing W.C. Fields. And there was a little part, there was a little part of a kid coming up and standing next to W.C. Fields, and W.C. Fields is looking at a big poster uh, of himself, and uh-huh. the kid looks at the poster, and the kid looks at W.C. Fields, and W.C. Fields looks at the kid, and he says, get out of here, kid, you bother me. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, but my mom wouldn't let me do it. Uh, well, it, it it's I guess it started the acting bug in you, right? It did. And you studied at Lee Strasberg Institute, and your teacher was... Um, I studied um, a lot of places, but I, yeah, I kind of one of the, the places I started out with uh, was uh, Lee Strasberg. Actually, before that, I was at a studio in New York that was really famous at the time called Warren Robertson, kind of an offshoot of yeah. Lee Strasberg. Mm-hmm. And um, so I studied with Warren and then also Sharon Chatton taught there. Mm-hmm. And she's a big famous teacher today in L.A. She teaches yeah. at a big, big class in, in Venice. So I was in Sharon Chatton's class and then she moved to Lee Strasberg. So I moved with her. Um, That's how you ended up there. Okay. Yes. Uh huh. And also the other teacher that I had there who was amazing. I think he's still teaching and he was really old 30 years ago. Uh, Jeffrey Horn. Oh yeah. I think he's still alive and I think he's still teaching. That's what I heard. He's like a hundred years old and teaching, (laughs) which is amazing. If you can, if you can move and you have the brain, you can do it. Absolutely. That's right. Uh, Clint Eastwood's um, directing a movie right now. He just turned 93, I believe. 
I think it's his last film. I think he made an announcement that that's his last film, but he's been going Probably. at it. Yeah. He does a film a year, which is amazing. Um, yeah. Did you study with Kim Stanley? I think I read that. Somewhere. I did. Kim Stanley. That was in LA. So when I moved to LA, um, I had uh, lunch with a good friend of mine, big film critic, Rex Reed. He was out in LA. He said, Hey, you want to have lunch? So we went and had lunch. And I told him, I said, you know, there's, not very the, the teachers in LA are not as good as the teachers in New York. I can't find any great teachers. And he said, Oh, well, let me give you a, a hint about somebody who's great. She's hard to find, not gonna be easy, but she's a great teacher, Kim Stanley. So I tracked her down. I can't remember how I did it, but I tracked her down. And she does these summer workshops all summer at her house. It's three months of intensity. It's crazy. Wow. Um but yeah, so I studied with Kim Stanley and she had a huge impact. I mean, her stuff is like, wow, it's uh, like astral projection. And she's legendary. She's a legendary actress. Um, legendary. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, was it was it that you studied method? Is Are you a method actor or was it just part of the... Uh, I mean, the it, it, Kim Stanley is sort of did a distillation of the method. So she she took the stuff that was the most important and kind of made it her own. Mm-hmm. And there are only as opposed to like so many different complexities of of method acting. She basically yeah. distilled it into uh, two or three little things that that she did, and uh, and she had her own spin on it, and uh, it was powerful stuff. I remember seeing her in um, Francis with um, Jessica Lang, right? And that film, even Jessica Lang, is absolutely incredible in that film. Right. It's yeah. so powerful. It's just a powerful film altogether. If anybody out there hasn't seen Francis, you should watch it. Um, yes. But going on to you, because that you're the subject, not them. <laughs> How did you get into the business? What was your first uh, role that you got? Um, basically, I was in New York City and I started modeling. I met a very uh, well-known photographer. Him and his, He and his girlfriend took a liking to me and helped me out. Um, and they got me into Ford Models. And from there, uh, Ford Models sent me to J. Michael Bloom for commercials. Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, they set me up with a really good commercial coach. Pam Zaret was her name, I think. Mm -hmm. And I stayed with her privately for months until she said I was ready. And she called J. Michael Bloom and said, you can send him out. And the first audition I booked. And I booked like, 10 commercials in a row immediately. And so started making good money, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, I said to Jim Michael Bloom, I said, you know, you guys have a theatrical department. I want to go on, you know, film and television auditions. He said, well, you're a commercial actor, you're not a serious actor. And I was in a lot of the, you know, classes at the time, other teachers in New York City, Marsha Jean Kurtz, for example. So they suggested that i start doing summer stock so i started going to williamstown okay which is uh a great uh you know great theatrical uh real theater the guy that ran it was the guy that ran yale drama school oh wow so it's all the the teachers from yale drama school and a lot of the people uh a lot of the actors and it's an amazing it's every summer and when I was there, it was Holly Hunter, Sigourney Weaver, Christopher Walken, Paul Newman. Uh, I mean, just just incredible, famous actors. Yeah. Uh, 
and love summer stock. You know, I, I actually saw, you know, Chris Walken was doing a streetcar named Desire, uh, which is an amazing hymn. So he was Stanley Kowalski. Sigourney Weaver was, uh, was Blanche? Stella. Stella. Oh, Stella. Oh, wow. No, Blythe Danner was Blanche. Oh, wow. <laughs> Blythe Danner was Blanche. Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow's mother. <laughs> yeah. And it was, you know, so that's, so I started doing summer stock in the summers and that kind of upped my, you know, so all of a sudden they decided to start sending me on the theatrical stuff. And the first big film they sent me in a big film just to, just to test the waters. And uh, <laughs> I went all the way to screen test. I didn't get the part. I never didn't, you know, you know, but I was amazing. So I thought, wow, this guy's pretty good. <laughs> and, and I had a secret weapon in New York City. There's a guy he also passed on. He was my uh, private coach, uh, Harold Guskin. Mm-hmm. And he is a world famous private coach. I mean, it's coach to the stars. Every movie star and great actor in New York was at uh, Harold's apartment in downtown New York City. So I had a lot of a lot of help, a lot of support. What was that film that you almost got but you didn't get? I can't remember. I can't, <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. Okay. Well, at least yeah. you got there. That's good. I I saw. I remember seeing you in a slasher movie. It was called Opera. Oh, that's a Dario Argento movie. Dario Argento. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And why I rem- you want to know why I remember it? Well, not only because I remember you seeing you there, but you're you're you you wasn't you speaking. It was the weirdest thing. It was like an English actor speaking. Were you not speaking English, or <laughs> what was the story with that? <clears throat> um, and I didn't. I was so green at the time. I had barely worked like, l- less than a year of work in the industry, and they weren't. Rec- you know, <clears throat> they weren't really recording sound. And uh, and when I left uh, Italy, you know, I wasn't going back. And I guess they, you know, I didn't couldn't do the looping, the ADR. Uh-huh. So they got a British actor to do it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> because, and the movies, you know, opera and Dario Argento are not, it's not big in the United States. Right. So I don't know if the movie ever came out in the United States, but what they're, so in Italy, the people that do the dubbing, the voices of all those movie stars, the Italian, that do it in the Italian language, though they're huge stars in Italy. The people that dub like Tom Cruise's voice is as big as Tom Cruise is just in Italy because yeah. he's the voice. Right. So, so, um, so, uh, so the movie was made and they're going to dub it in Italian. Uh, and so everybody, so that's the, you know, they don't care about my voice. Right. And I don't think it ever came out in the United States. People know it because people are fans of Dario Argento. So I think you could get on like laser disc or something like that. Yeah. Well, you have a great uh, death scene. (laughs) I know. It's It's a sick death scene. Um, and then you worked with the Corys of all yes. people in the world Yeah, in dream, a little dream uh, with uh, Jason Robards. What were the, what were Corey Haynes and Corey Feldman like? Were they as crazy as they seemed in real life? Yeah, pretty crazy. I mean, uh, you know, there were days we didn't shoot cause they didn't come to set or they were, you know, I don't know which one it was to be honest with you. I think Corey Haynes had a lot of problems, mm-hmm. drugs and stuff like that. Uh, so, uh, you know, they were, um, it was, it was interesting. I pretty much kept to myself on that set. I was like the only New York actor, all they were, and they all knew each other. They were like a clique and I was like the, the new guy from New York. And, um, uh, and so, yeah, they kind of hung out. I wasn't a part of their crowd. Interesting. Well, 
I guess that's a good thing. I've, I'm starting to read his book. He had quite a wild life, Corey. Which, which book? Corey oh, Feldman's. Really? Yeah. Oh, he's got a book out now. Yeah. <laughs> it's called Choreography. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's something else. Um, but then you started a slew of other films. You were with Bette Midler in Stella. You were right. in Peter Bogdanovich's Texasville. Right. And Stealing Home with Jodie Foster. I mean, was this like where you felt like you were in a dream all of a sudden, all of these things were happening in your life? It was very bizarre. Yeah, very, very bizarre. And it was like a dream. Like you said, it was like unbelievable. It's like one minute I'm this uh, guy in New York City at Columbia University living a very dull life. You can imagine how horrible <laughs> that is. Um, you know, I lived way up in, in uh, Harlem on 117th Street. That's where Columbia is. And, uh, you know, and I'd, been, I'd gone to boarding school since I was 11 which is a very dull life you can imagine going to boarding school in Massachusetts and Connecticut. So this sort of mediocre life. And all of a sudden it's, I'm doing movies with uh, huge stars being flown first class, getting picked up in limousines. It was like a, and it was what all happened in a year. So, you know, and I remember at Williamstown, I was in the shower one day and I said to myself, I'm going to give, and I was probably 19 or something. I can't remember. I'm going to give this acting thing 10 years. And by the time I'm 29, if I haven't done anything, I'm going to drop out. And within three months, I was working. <laughs> like a, it, I was it like, blew oh up. my, it blew yeah. up. You were everywhere. Literally, you were <laughs> in every movie, in yep. every show. You did so much where I remember seeing another film with you and a very, very young Reese Witherspoon. Yes, Wildflower. Wildflower. With Patricia with- Arquette. With Patricia Arquette, yeah, and, and Bo Bridges. Oh, the Bo Bridges, that's right. And you had worked with his brother Jeff Bridges, <laughs> correct? You and the I Bridges. played Jeff Bridges' son, and I played and I played Bo Bridges' son. So you're actually a Bridges somewhere. I, sh- I should be. <laughs> I wish they would adopt me. <laughs> but that film was directed by Diane Keaton. Yes, that's right. What was it like working with her as a director, not an actress, but as a, as a director? Well, she is, you know, she's phenomenal. She's unbelievable. I mean, and, and, you know, she she spent a lot of time, as you probably know, with a lot of the great actor filmmakers uh, in Hollywood. You know, uh, Al Pacino, she was very close to. She was close to Warren Beatty for a little while. She was close to Woody Allen. Yeah. You know, she'd worked with Francis Ford Coppola. So she was very well educated she knew what she was doing and she's probably learned from masters she was around masters and she herself became a master um and she was a phenomenal director i mean you know to have a director like her as an actor is wow unbelievable yeah she she changed my life and in that time female directors weren't there weren't a lot at all there were very few that's right yes very That's few. Right. Yes. But you received a nomination from the Cable Ace Awards for Best Actor for that film. Oh, right. And people don't know what the Ace Awards are, unfortunately, because the Emmys bought them because they were such heavy duty competition because the Ace Awards were all the Cable Awards like HBO, Showtime. Mm-hmm. And it, they were making way better television than the networks. So the networks got upset and bought the Ace Awards. I mean, so. Like, 
you know, the Emmys in the 80s and 90s were like uh, Richard Chamberlain, you know, which is great. He's a great actor. But my other nominees in my category was, I think, I'm going to have to try to remember now. It was uh, Jason Robards, John Voight, James James Woods, Jack Lemmon, Billy McNamara. Oh, my God. So to be in those, in that category with those guys, I didn't stand a chance. Of course, John Voight won. I can't remember what movie it was and i remember i was sitting next to james woods and he was so angry he didn't win <laughs> he did the hbo movie about roy cohen that's right he played roy cohen and apparently it was great and i'm sure john voigt i didn't know if i saw i probably didn't see any of the movies that the other nominees were up for and actually patricia arquette for the same for our movie she won best actress oh she did yeah so the ace awards were like the primo actors so if I tell people now, oh, I was nominated for an Ace Award Best Actor, like Ace Award, never heard of it. Because <laughs> the Emmys bought them, I think the next year. The okay. Emmys bought the Ace Awards. Yeah, they didn't want the competition. Interesting. Yep. Speaking of Richard Chamberlain, you did a series with Richard Chamberlain, right? I did. In, in I, Hawaii. I did, yeah. What was he like, Richard Chamberlain? Well, he's a super nice guy. Unfortunately, the series was like, it was too, it was too seventies, you know, it just wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't a progressive show at all. It was like, you know, they, they had this idea. I think they had 22 guaranteed on the air because Richard Chamberlain coming to a series. Yeah. So I think CBS, there was no pilot. It was just 22 episodes, I think. And, uh, and, and so, but you know, he's a very nice guy and he's very talented, very generous. He's a, a, a great human being. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, you know, his father, interesting thing about his father, I've been in and around Alcoholics Anonymous for many years. I'm 18 years sober now. And I'm 15, uh, by the way. 15. Oh, wow. Oh, congrats. Oh, wow. Thanks. Yeah. So I don't know if you know who, do you know who uh, Chamberlain's father is? Richard Chamberlain's no, father? I have no idea. No. Have you, have you ever heard of Chuck C? Yes. I didn't that's, know that. That's his father. Wow. He's, wrote, he's got that book, which is a great book called The New Pair of Glasses, mm-hmm. which is a, it's a conglomeration of Chuck C's uh, speaking and speak at big events. Yeah. So, yeah, Richard's father is a, uh, you know, world famous Alcoholics Anonymous guy. Chuck C is one of the greatest. Uh, if you listen to some of his tapes, uh, which I think you could probably find on YouTube now, he's an amazing speaker uh, and and he's passed away now, of course, but. So that's why I can mention his name. I had no idea. Wow, that's amazing. Um, and I'm going to look that up for sure. Yeah. You did another television movie, which I saw recently again, because I wanted to refresh my memory. Doing Time on Maple Drive. Yes. Uh-huh. It was a great, great TV movie. It really was. I remember yeah. it when growing up. It, I, for To me, because I was closeted gay at the time, it was it was like the only kind of film or any representation of anybody who was having issues with coming out. And um, you did a fantastic job on that. Right. Did you talk to a lot of people about um, that subject when you were, when you got the role, like, or what are your thoughts about the coming out story that you did in that film? No, I didn't really talk to anybody. It's just uh me playing me playing me i could be straight i could be gay i doesn't it doesn't that didn't really matter i was just a human being <laughs> so it doesn't matter what my sexual uh affiliation was i don't think um 
you know, and, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't really do much preparation at all. It was just me. Well, it was great. I really, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and that was directed by Ken Olin, another great actor. Yeah. And a big time showrunner these days. He's got, you know, lots of hit shows that he's created and, and mm -hmm. yeah. So and that then, was really and Jim Carrey, he was like dramatic. It wasn't even a funny Jim Carrey. It was a dramatic Jim Carrey. It was amazing. Yes, it was. We had a an unbelievable cast. Jim Sicking, Roy Lachlan, B.B. Uh, Beige, Jim Carrey, Jane Brooke, I believe her name was. Uh, everybody was unbelievably good. It was such an amazing experience. And James Duff was the writer. He went on to be a huge Hollywood showrunner. Mm -hmm. uh, major Crimes, uh, the closer he created those shows and that was his life story he grew up in dallas and uh, that was that was his story that's, oh that's interesting okay yep um was jim carrey funny on the set or was he just trying to be the dramatic actor no he was funny we became very good friends we spent we spent a lot of time off set together he was very funny uh but on set he was very serious and he really wanted to do a good job yeah. And he transformed, you know, he, he was I, in the, in the cast read through the table read. He wasn't very good. And I didn't know who he was. I'd never seen him living color. Yeah. And I knew who everybody else was. So I was amongst great actors, you know, I felt really good. And this is gonna be a great TV movie. And then um, he was a little weak. I thought to myself, gosh, and he was dressed poorly too. He had black sweatpants on, a black t-shirt, dirty <laughs> hair. And he looked like, he really looked out of place. Yeah. And I was like, wow, how did this guy get into this group here? And, and he was the weakest link in the table read through. Hmm. And then uh, he just transformed in every day. He became better and better and better. And he is phenomenal in the tv movie maple drive he's unbelievable yeah. so and i knew and i saw that i said wow this i told my girlfriend at the time tammy i said this guy's gonna be a huge star his ability to to learn and become good in, is in minutes not years mm. it was it was like being with a superhero from another galaxy and look what happened to him my gosh yeah amazing yeah, yeah. I read somewhere that you were asked to be the model and spokesman for the Calvin Klein underwear ads. <laughs> you right. didn't take it. Why didn't you take that? Uh, that's a, it's, it's an interesting story. Um, the girl that used to work for Calvin Klein, Bissett, I think her name was, she was married to JFK. She died in the Carol, Caroline. Caroline. Oh, okay. Caroline Bissett, uh, was friends with me uh, socially and my mother in New York city socially. And my mom was social, good friends with Calvin Klein. And Calvin knew me for a long time. Um, and so apparently he saw me in a movie called Chasers on, I think it was on HBO. Mm -hmm. And there's a big underwear scene in Chasers. It's a great, it's a great scene. Kind of like the Tom Cruise scene in Risky Business. Not as good though, but close. <laughs> um, and so... Uh, he saw me and uh, Jacqueline, Bis uh, not Jacqueline, Caroline Bissett worked for Calvin Klein. She was like the head of PR or something at his company. So she called me and she said, hey, Calvin just saw you in Chasers on TV in the underwear scene. Yeah. And he, uh, he wants you to do his underwear ad. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I want to do that. That's the one I'm not the right thing. She goes, I think it was 
a lot of money. It was a quarter of a million dollars, I think they offered me. Wow. Yeah, for a couple of days of work. Problem was, for Chasers, before I got that movie, I had two months notice. So I worked out because I knew I had an underwear scene. So I worked out with a trainer. And I was working out twice a day, doing this special diet and taking all these supplements. And I got, without steroids, I got in great shape. Yeah. And when they called me, I was not in great shape. And I told her, I said, hey, I'm not in great shape. But if you give me two months, I'll do it. She goes, yeah. we can't. We're shooting it next week. Oh, man. And I said, I don't feel comfortable doing it then. And that was that. And I lost it. And uh, Mark Wahlberg was the one they chose instead of me. Thanks for listening to part one of my conversation with the talented William McNamara. On the next episode of Hollywood Obsessed, my conversation with Billy continues as we discuss his memories of shooting the psychological thriller Copycat with Sigourney Weaver, his friendship with legendary actor Roddy McDowell, the friendly advice that the glamorous Elizabeth Taylor once gave him, and his current passion project, The Trouble with Billy. All that and more on the next episode of Hollywood Obsessed. This is your host, Tony Miros. See you next time. Thanks for joining us this week on Hollywood Obsessed. Make sure to visit our Facebook page, Hollywood Obsessed Podcast, where you can subscribe to the show so you'll never miss a single episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in every other Monday for our next episode. That's a wrap.